Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Everybody and welcome to another episode of Nerdificent. I'm your host, if you want, you wouldn't sit across from me as always. Eels, Danny Fernandez. Hey, how's it going? It's going good, Iffy. Good. How's your week going? You know, I'm so excited that I don't know when we decided collectively as a people that September was Spooktober season. Yeah, but uh, it's already yeah. Here. It's really like uh, uh, Halloween is getting the Christmas treatment uh-huh. in that they're just bumping it. Because I was going through the store uh, yesterday and Naomi was like, "Hello." And I was like, what? And it was all mm-hmm. decked out with Halloween decorations. And I was like, all right. Have her hang out with her Tia uh, Danny. Yeah, yeah. No, she's really into uh, hangs and seeing Halloween stuff. And it's, it's way cooler now because she can vocalize the things that she needs. So it's 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 easier to be. I cannot <laughs> wait to take her to her first real haunted house. I know. Oh, she's like. She's like definitely got the iffy scaredy cat oh, jeans no. because like there was a little like plushed uh, witch thing that you could put on your porch and it's just like a still thing and I was like oh you want to see it and I pulled it down and she was in the shopping cart and she like jerked backwards like what is this what is and I was like no and I was poked it in the stomach and then she was like oh okay. <laughs> I just, I mean, you're, that's good though, because kids can be really terrifying when it comes to scary things. One of my friends was telling me that his nephew would just be like, the man is back and yeah. just like point to nothing. <laughs> this is why oh, yeah. I don't, this is why I, no, I don't kids, have, I will live vicariously totally through you. Totally see ghosts. Like you, I remember when she was little, uh, she was like, she was looking at, in a like corner where there was nothing and smiling and laughing. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, there's that. There's Probably a ghost. Probably an ancestor or something. Yeah. Uh, uh, segwaying in the worst way possible. <laughs> I'm breaking on our All guest. of your ancestors are here well, now. Well, I wanted to be like, you have kids, so you, I was going to bring ancestors? you. Tell me about you about the have, ghosts in you your have, house. I was going to say, you two at the table have kids and I do not. Uh, that other voice is screenwriter and a good friend of ours mark bernardin hey hey you know who i blame for halloween moving up starbucks true <laughs> like it's yeah. all that 
it's pumpkin spice season. Oh, yeah. And like they've been like marching that up to the end of August. I'm oh, like, yeah. No, y'all got to slow down. But you're, uh, you're a spooky head, right? Like you're a horror person. Uh, let's, okay, there's, there's a dividing line between me and horror, which ends at like the ring. Okay. Like before That's that, good. like I was totally down for it. Like give me all the Evil Deads, give me the Nightmare on Elm Street, give me mm-hmm. the Halloweens, like give me all of that stuff. And then the ring happened. And I was like not having it. And then after that, I turned into like the biggest wuss you've ever seen in the world. To the point where like I won't go see a movie in theaters. I went yeah. to a birthday party at the at the Alamo Draft House over the weekend and they've been having clowns only screenings yeah. of it too. <laughs> and I found myself in an elevator with like a dozen clowns. No way. And like have never been more concerned for my well being. That's so cool, though, because at the AMC that I went to to see it, it said no face paint. I'm like, you Grinches. How dare. Don't you even try this. Yeah. Yeah. uh, It's so funny because that's the same. I'm the same way. Won't see a scary movie. But now I do Who Shot You, which is a movie podcast. And then now it's time for the second scary movie because I had to see scary stories. And now I have to go see it, uh, which I'm probably going to see tomorrow morning. Uh, That's the way. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Go in the day save and just save like stand life. outside and like peek through the door <laughs> like oh that's yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. no 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 hey <laughs> nope yeah all right cool yeah no, I'm not, I, I, I watched the whole movie with like squinted through like tiny eyes wow yeah no just i'm a i'm an omega level wuss when yeah. it comes to that oh man. for real Oof. I remember you told me, I forgot what you said, that you're like going to some haunted experience that you have to do. And I was, I literally texted you back and was just like, iffy real life is much scarier than, so you're already prepped. No. You were like, no. Nope. Like, nope, I don't, I don't need it. Real like it's it's yeah, hard yeah. enough being like brown in America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything is scary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't need to like, I got my jollies out of going to the haunted house. No. Nah. I hear you. You want to just watch a rom-com. Yes. Um, please. Mark, we've been starting our podcast with uh, what we're geeking out about this week. So what are you geeking out about? I have two things that I've been geeking out about. The first one is um, The Terror, uh, colon, Infamy Ooh, yeah. on uh, on AMC, which I didn't see the first season of Terror, but as I understand, it was a bunch of like, you know, British dudes on a ship in the middle of nowhere, like locked in by ice. And then there's a monster, whatever. This one is about like Japanese internment camps just after like, you know, World War II kicks out, just after uh-huh. Pearl Harbor. And it's all about like there's a ghost haunting these particular people in this particular time in this particular place. And it is so culturally specific to what it a was like to be a, a Japanese American when suddenly the country kind of turned against you. And the specific so the specifically Japanese thing that's haunting them. Yeah. You know, and so it's so like just rich and vibrant with texture and and the lived in feeling of this is what is haunting people who now can't escape from where they want to be. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's phenomenal. It's so good. The other thing is this reality show on Netflix called Hyperdrive. Have you guys seen this? No. I've seen the ad. It is like like American Ninja Warrior, except it's with cars. <laughs> Ooh, okay. And also these people own these cars, right? Okay. So it's okay. like so it's it's a bunch of like, you know, you gotta go drift around this track here and you gotta like drive up and do a jump off this like clip giant cliff that's a balancing beam, and then you gotta go hit these cones, whatever. Every other run is somebody destroying their own like forty thousand dollar car. <laughs> oh and it's like, I brought this Lamborghini to do this. Crash. And oh. so it's both like the joy of watching really good drivers be very good on the road is fast and furious, right? Yeah. And right. then watching like super entitled people wrap their like like prestige elite motor cars around telephone poles. 
That has to be such a liability, though. It totally is. That would terrify me that, like, oh, yeah. every episode someone might die. I mean, they're not going to, like, die, die. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're just going to kind of die. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're just going to ruin their life. I mean, it's like NASCAR, because, like, somebody could die. They never do, really. Okay. But it's just like, oh, that guy, he deserves it. Because they all, because there's always like that camera interview. It's like, hi, my name is Billy Bob, blah, blah, blah. Hello, my name is Sven. I'm from this country, whatever. And I've got my fancy car and I'm going to do this thing. I guess the douchebags are always the ones uh-huh. who wrap yeah. themselves around trees. Oh, yeah. And That's... it's always like the, you know, the, the young drifter from Japan who's got his, like, his dad's Datsun that he's tuned up. He's <laughs> yeah. like, man, I'm going to win this thing. And he wins this thing. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm here. I'm here for both of those shows oh, for I'm very different reasons. Locking into that. Uh, Dang. Uh, well, me, what I'm nerding out about is, uh, yeah, I've talked about Junji Ito before. Uh, he's a horror manga uh, writer and artist, and uh, they're actually adapting one of his books into an anime for Adult Swim, which, you know, normally I just said how I don't like scary stuff, but I think Junji's stuff is more creepy stuff, except for the supermodel where that one is terrifying, but it's also funny and terrifying, um, which, uh, you know, if, if you haven't uh, Junji Ito, one of his stories is this like model that this guy, he's going through this book this guy and he sees this woman and goes oh she's ugly how is she a model this is so creepy and she's like he keeps starts having nightmares of this woman and then he like throws the book the magazine away he's like oh man and he's telling their his friends about it they don't believe him and he uh he's like man uh i can't you know uh and he's telling the friends and he's like i'm gonna find the magazine and he can't find the magazine it was like no for real she was horrifying but they're they're filmmakers and so they're like they're looking for actresses for their movie and then the lady sends in her headshot and goes that's that's her that's the creepy woman and then they're they were like all right then we'll just cast her and he's like no don't cast her and it's like and so they do cast her and it's really awkward and um they're driving out to the woods for this shot and like one of them makes a joke and like it's like shade towards her but she doesn't get it and she laughs and when she laughs she opens up her mouth and she has these huge giant teeth and they're like yo um did you see that (laughs) and no one else saw it but the guy he's like she has giant teeth they're like you need to calm down and it's it's y'all you 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 just need to calm down and they're like no and so like obviously since they like casted her for a gag they're not really shooting her they're focusing on this model that they're real excited about and she's like why haven't you taken a photo for me and they're like oh we're gonna get to you we're just focusing on her and then they're like and time passes and they have lunch and they go where is our lead actress and a guy runs up covered in blood guy Yo, uh, she's eating the lead actress and they go to the woods and she has these giant teeth and she's she's like covered in blood. And she goes, well, I guess you can focus on me now because, uh, you know, because she's gone yeah. and she just chases them and murders them. And it's like the only, one of the very few like horror, horror Junji Ito uh, stories, because normally it's just like more creepy kind of Twilight Zone-esque stories. But that was the first one that was like, this is terrifying, funny and fun. So. I'm excited for that coming to adults. That's so cool. Yeah. 
That's that guy's dope. got some issues. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's definitely. <laughs> but then he also has a whole book dedicated to his cats. Like he love it. Yes. Where it's just like so many issues. Totally wholesome. That mm-hmm. sounds like a cat person, to be honest. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love throwing shade whenever I can. As a dog person, the thing I'm geeking out about is a book by Shelby Lorman. Uh, she, if you follow her on Instagram, you would know her as the Count Awards for Good Boys. If you oh. don't, you need to. She has like 300,000 followers. I found. She's so hilarious. Uh, The book is Awards for Good Boys, Tales of Dating, Double Standards, and Doom. It's where she sarcastically gives awards uh, to guys for the most basic things that you should do in a relationship. Like, didn't mansplain the, you know, first four Van Halen vinyls. I just made that up. But um, she's great. She's super funny. And, like, everyone, I feel like, in comedy follows her. And it's awesome. So check out her book. Uh, I think it just dropped or else I'm just becoming aware of it. But also follow her on Instagram. She's hilarious. I mean, to be fair, Diver Down is the best of those first four. <laughs> oh, <Halen>. really? <laughs> really? The only reason I like I'm not, you know, I've, I didn't grow up in the 80s. And so I don't. Why are you laughing? <laughs> That's such a specific. I didn't grow up. You know, I'm not old. So That's not what I meant. It's just Listen, I feel sir. like people. <laughs> no, I feel people. Uh, we don't cuss. So I'm going to say they poop on me for not always knowing uh, music from before my generation, but it's difficult to have to know the music of my generation, the music of the generation now, and the music of past generations when it's just not my thing. However, um, a very kind man, I will say he's a very nice person that I dated, is obsessed with Van Halen, and so I... Also named Mark. Also named... Yeah, let's just also name Mark. I didn't even say his name. Let's just name him. Um, It's uh, it's part of the Mark curriculum. They just make all of us learn. Well, the thing about him, he's so... I think like one of his comedy albums had a reference to it, but also we literally in our apartment had a frame picture of Eddie Van Halen. And it was one of those things that he loved them so much that it makes you want to learn about them just because he was so... You know when someone's so passionate that it like oozes out and not like a let me teach you about it way, but it's like this thing make, gives me so much happiness. No, I, I feel that. I uh, I tend to go the other way, though. Like my wife is a nut for the Grateful Dead. I hate the Grateful Dead. <laughs> like with this crazy, like burning white hot heat of a thousand suns. And she's like, you just got to listen to an album. And I said, no. <laughs> because I don't want to. <laughs> I just don't know every time. I'm not even kidding you. Anytime that jump would come on, and he, of course, listens to everything, but mm-hmm. like anytime that jump would come on, he would get excited in the car. I'm like, dude, you have listened to this song for 30 years. How is it still so exciting to you? And that is the power of Van Halen for this man. Uh, very kind, nice man. The power of rock. Yeah. Um, and can just. <laughs> oh, God. That's, that's going to be the name on. of some documentary. The Power of Rock. Yeah. Listen, just... man, I can have a day. Like, whatever that day is, man, it's the worst I've ever had. You know what, man? I turn on Hoffer Teacher and everything's better. <laughs> I'm not. Suddenly, just doodly, 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 and it's making me. The truest statement about him. <laughs> um, also, this is hilarious, and we'll, and we'll move on, but I started doing cryotherapy while we were dating, and he wouldn't try it, but Eddie Van Halen goes to my cryo place, so all of a sudden... That man was in there. And I also think Eddie was trying to undo the years of drug use right. that like, he It doesn't work because look at Eddie. <laughs> he looks great. He, in my opinion, looks good. Um, 
But today we are talking about another man. <laughs> another <laughs> old white man <laughs> who looks pretty good for his age, all things considered. Yes. Today we are talking about the man, the mystery, James Bond. James Bond. Ding, 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 ding. Um, so, you know, we're going to do the nitty gritty that I always start with. This is the first time the nitty gritty is very chunky. Like usually, you know, the nitty gritty, we just take the kind of synopsis of the subject that kind of launches us into the discussion. But James Bond is, whew. It's a uh, lot of gritty ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So feel free to jump in. <laughs> Commander James Bond, CMG. RNVR is a fictional character <laughs> created by the British journalist and novelist Ian Fleming in 1953. So I guess I w- was not aware that he was first in novels before the films. Yeah. yeah. No, he was, um, he he wrote, like Ian Fleming wrote like two or three books that he wrote, um, I think Casino Royale and like Her Majesty's Secret Service and Dr. No in some version of that order. And uh, and they were kind of like they didn't go anywhere. Like they just kind of hit the marketplace and they just oh, kind of wow. died. And then um, it it became like I think it was John F. Kennedy did an interview with Playboy magazine back in the day. And John F. Kennedy was like, my favorite books are James Bond books. And suddenly became oh well, if President Screws a lot really likes these books, <laughs> then there must be something going on yeah. in there. And then suddenly, like boom, they they became bestsellers. All right, Mark, are you telling me that? John F. Kennedy was the first influencer. <laughs> I think so. I think he. I think he tagged up. Like this is this is a paid post. So, have you read any of the original novels? Um, I've read like five or six of them. Um, they're shorter than the movies. Oh, okay. They are like crazy misogynist. Oh no. I mean, like that's that is that is they're very much a product of their time. In that, like, James Bond loved Jamaica because Ian Fleming loved Jamaica. Like, he would, like, he would summer there or winter there or whenever he can go there. And so, like, reading, like, Goldfinger, which is all set in Jamaica, you're like, oh, like, it's kind of, ooh. Yeah. I mean, like, sure, we'll go to the Bahamas and that's going to be different, but no. (laughs) You know, it's just, like, it becomes... He's got like a black buddy who's not really a buddy. He's more like a waiter slash chauffeur slash valet. And and every woman is kind of disposable, you know, and it's, it is uh, bringing that to the modern era is a a challenge. Mm -hmm. I think is the, and and you see these James Bond movies as you go, you go go back and look at the Sean Connery's and they still retain that vestige of, of old school feelings about masculinity and femininity. And then you get to Daniel Craig and it's like, listen, you're going to like have sex with a lady, but it's not going to be as unfortunate as it had been in the right. past. Yeah. It seems like as it moved forward in time, it went from the Bond girls to the Bond girl. Right. You know, <laughs> I mean, there there would still be the like, does he have to like sleep with like three women? In yes. Days? And like, and there's always like the Bond girl who dies early right. to motivate yeah. his, you know, adventure. Like, oh, I'm really motivated now that this totally. woman died. Now that I can't even remember who she was, yeah. but she's dead and now revenge must happen. And then there's like the good Bond girl who manages to survive the adventure so that she can then sleep with James Bond before the closing credits. Ah. That's the way that goes, which is not enlightened. 
Yeah. Uh, Just a couple of things about Ian Fleming, who created him. So he was a naval intelligence officer. And while working for Britain's naval intelligence division during the Second World War, Fleming was involved in planning Operation Goldeneye. Mm. Ah. So we can see where that came from. Also didn't know that the first Bond novel was Casino Royale. And that Mm -hmm. is actually my favorite Bond film. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Have you seen both versions of Casino Royale? Oh, I didn't see the original. Yeah, no, the original is weird <laughs> because it was. I the... meant with Daniel Craig. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, the original is like there's James Bond, who's played by David Niven, I think, and then there's Jimmy Bond, oh, God. who's played by Woody Allen. <laughs> oh boy! Oh. Yeah, no, this was a whole thing. I thought this was going to be when you said Jimmy Bond. I thought it was. I thought this was like, like an Aquaman. No, I thought this was an Aquaman and Aqualad situation. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Here's my boy Jimmy. You go get him, Jimmy Bond. Um, yeah, no, it's it's not good. Okay, so <laughs> Casino Royale dropped the the novel dropped uh, April nineteen fifty three. So that was the first one. That was the first James Bond novel. Um, and so Fleming ended up writing 12 Bond novels in two short story collections. His final two being The Man with the Golden Gun that mm-hmm. came out in 1965 and Octopussy, still wild name. <laughs> yeah. I am I had still still wild and The Living Daylights that came out in 1966. They uh, they used to and I think they might still do. They would always have premieres of those movies in London and like Royal Albert Hall. And it was always a thing where like the queen and the prince would come to these screenings because it was a whole like it's it's the biggest character that that ever came out of Britain. You know, I think maybe Harry Potter might now be like number two oh, right, or they might right. be fighting for number one at some point. But it was a national event when a Bond movie would come out. And so the uh, in Goldfinger, they there's a character in Goldfinger named Pussy Galore. And so and they were very concerned about whether or not they would like, can we put this movie out with this character named Pussy Galore? And then when the queen saw the movie and then went to like the Broccoli's who produce these movies says, I really like that character, Pussy Galore. Like we got the queen to say Pussy Galore. It yeah. stays. Love it. And like Octopussy is the name that the queen had to say. <laughs> and I remember reading some interview with Daniel Craig um, being somewhat concerned that uh, the queen who would still go see Bond movies by the time you got to Casino Royale is going to watch him get bashed in the nuts over and over and over again. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes, I remember that scene. Like the queen's watch my bollocks be smashed in. I remember that scene. Um, so <laughs> To I the guess, left, to the left. Speaking of James Bond, can you talk a little bit about his, him, his character? Um, I mean, James Bond is, he is a... Well, also that name. Sorry, because that's not yeah. his name. Right. Well, it kind of is. It kind of is. There's there's two theories. The theory is that like every every actor who comes in and plays James Bond is playing the same guy, right? Like it's Sean Connery, and then it's it's George Lazenby, and then it's Roger Moore, and then it's um, Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan, and then there was Timothy uh, Timothy Dalton in there for a second. They're just playing the same character as it goes, or. There's the idea that James Bond is a code name. Like James Bond is that goes with the 007 identity. Like there's there's nine agents who have the license to kill, of which 007 is James Bond. He's just one of them. And so every time James Bond dies, somebody else takes that identity and then moves on and does the thing. It's very Doctor Who in that way. Um, but James Bond is uh, he was an orphan. He was uh, raised sort of, you know, in, in, in something feeling like luxury, but not quite. Um, he, he joined the military at a young age because that's kind of what, at least in this world, orphans do. Um, rose up the ranks and then 
was sort of a blunt instrument. Like he, he was never like the spyiest spy ever. He was never like, I'm going to wear this awesome suit and infiltrate. He's like, I'm going to shoot a bunch of people and maybe punch them in the face a lot. Um, and so he gets recruited into the, into the special service, which is the double O section, which there's one guy named M who kind of calls all the missions. And there's a guy named Q who's his quartermaster and gives him all of his weapons and doodads and whatever. And there was the, the executive assistant who was always called secretary named Ms. Monty Penny, who would always be his sort of like in-house flirtation lady. And, and then he would, he would always, he would start on a mission that was kind of not really connected to anything. He would go and talk to M, he'd get his big mission and then go off into the world and like globe trot which is a big part of what made those movies especially work because nobody got to travel in the 60s mm-hmm. and 70s. Like, who's got money to go to Istanbul or Dushanbe or Tokyo or Cairo or, or skiing in the Alps? And so those movies were vicarious thrills for people. Like, I've never seen that place. What's Venice like? James Bond went to Venice, and now I kind of know. And so people would go to see those movies like vacation in a weird, crazy way. I was. I mean, I feel that way now. <laughs> I mean, with the world, with the with millennials now, they well, can't travel. Well, no, I, I feel like that is like the kind of like the core of a lot of art is like you know we often talk about you know the escapism of it, but also just the living vicariously. Like I remember when I was a uh, when I was a teen, the there was a game that was called uh, True Crime: Streets of L.A. And they had all the different L.A. streets and I didn't have my driver's license yet. So I would like drive around the streets, like not solving crimes and all this stuff, but just to imagine what it'll be like when I have my driver's license driving around L.A. Solving crimes. I, yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. I solved more crimes IRL than in the game. Uh, but yeah, so so there is that that kind of beauty of art of just like seeing these, you know, beautiful places and and experiencing them, even though you can't fit physically experience them. Yeah. And like the, the bond novels, especially, and then the movies sort of after the fashion were aspirational, I think to like a generation of men um, for good and for ill. Like the good of it is like James Bond really like dressed well and he lived well and he liked good food. And like, it's a weird, like sommelier's guide to wine and stuff. Like those books are all like, he's super refined and super effete and super like, you know, well, you wouldn't have the 54 Rothschild before a steak. My God, what kind of barbarian are you? It's like, dude, like you're a killer. But, but, and that's, that's sort of how it helped tie into the playboy. Cause playboy was also very much like, right. Here's, here's the guy that you kind of want to be like, here's how you should dress. Here's the parties you should go to. Here's the music you should listen to. Here's the books you should read. Um, here's the women you should want to consort with. And James Bond fit right into there. It was like, he, he was the, the guy you wanted to be. Um, that changes over time, you know, and especially the, as the more diverse a audience gets, the less they might want to just be that guy, you know, and, and oh, James yeah. Bond may or may not eventually change with those times because there is no good reason why James Bond, if it's going to be played by a bunch of different actors, yeah, couldn't also be played by a person of color. Yeah. I know that's a, that's been the interesting conversation and, uh, and we'll, I'll, I'll save that one because there's mm-hmm. stuff about the new one that yeah. I definitely mm-hmm. want to dig into and <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I definitely want your thoughts on, <laughs> but when we come back, we're going to talk about, you know, the double O call sign and kind of what that means and get all into that meaty stuff. See you in a bit. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-errands pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. And we're back. (laughs) Okay, I have one quote that I wanted to say. Uh, It's exactly what you said about him being a blunt instrument. This is Mm -hmm. from Ian Fleming in The New Yorker from 1962. He said, when I wrote the first one in 1953, I wanted Bond to be an extremely dull, uninteresting man to whom things happen. I wanted him to be a blunt instrument. When I was casting around for a name for my protagonist, I thought, by God, James Bond is the dullest name I've ever heard. (laughs) Isn't that funny because yeah. now when you hear Bond James, James Bond Turtle, it's yeah. like a man of mystery and he's sexy debonair and it's just like oh no this like dull office worker yeah yeah like he I think that he he was in his Jamaica estate which is also named Goldeneye because of course it is um, <laughs> and he had a wall full of books and one of them was a book on birds like bird watching and stuff written mm-hmm. by a guy named James Bond oh, and he wow. was like oh god if that's not the most boring person and the most boring wow. name for a boring dude that's ever been here's my spy well, it transformed so much. It's so interesting that it was like, oh, just this man that things happen to happen to him, to him being uh, this force of nature, essentially. Yeah. Wrecking, he's a wrecking ball, in my opinion. Very much so. And, and like those movies and even the stories, there's the version of those that are very reactionary, right? Because mm-hmm. like James Bond is kind of like this global cop who like, I'm going to go right or wrong, but the wrong has to happen before he gets called off his game. So it's very much like we said, it's like, here's your mission, James, go do the thing. And then he goes and does the thing. But it would 
take a while before the movies began to make him proactive, before they gave him missions and drives and revenge and all of that stuff that actually makes for a hero that you want to be tuning into over and over again, mm-hmm. as opposed to just a guy waiting for like a case file to fall on his desk. Yeah. A thump. Oh, I guess I got to go get that bad guy again. Here we go. <laughs> Jimmy Bond. Jimmy Bond. Well, I just, oh, Blofeld, I'm coming to get you. I'm coming to get you. <laughs> okay, so explain the 007, uh, the license to kill. That's the double O part, right? The double O, there's, there's a whole section. Like there's the, the, the special investigative service, the SIS, which is also like MI5 or MI6, um, which are just like spies who do spy stuff in the UK. But of that section, and fictionally, I'm assuming, there's the double O section. And I think the double O counts for each kill that you have to make to get into that section. And then there's only nine of those agents. There's no double O 10, but it's just double O one to double O nine. And there are the nine people who can kind of travel the world Mm -hmm. with impunity and just kill people, (laughs) which seems like an odd thing to give a person like, you know, what's the test for that? Like my driver's license, I got a parallel park. I got to do three point turn. I got to whatever, like what's your double O license test? And in the movie, it says you've got to kill two people. Well, oh. Yes. Oh, okay. So you ca- it's like a gang initiation? <laughs> no, I mean, what, so you kill two people and then you get to be- And then you get inducted into the I am at, It's the two people that like M or whatever has assigned you to kill, right? Yeah. Okay. Like Casino Royale, I think the good one opens with that, with him, you know, sort of like stalking some dude in his office mm-hmm. building. And, you know, there's a whole conversation. It's like, well, you know, you, you can't be, you haven't had your two kills yet. And he talks about like <gasps> the first one and then he- that you flash back to him beating up that guy in the men's room. And then the guy's like, well, what about your second? You'll, you'll find your second to be like a lot easier. And then he shoots him in the head and he's like considerably. And so now he's officially like, we're rebooting James Bond and he just got Dang. into the service and he's doing his thing. Is that the first of the Daniel Craig? Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like that's how they sort of reset it by like, uh-huh. we'll go back to the beginning, like day one on the job. This is what James Bond uh-huh. is like. You how know? does that work with the rest of the UN? <laughs> Like, how yeah. does that work with American, like, we're just all okay? Like, oh, that, uh, no, he's allowed to kill. So no, it's, it's totally okay. fine. It's just, no, no, cool, 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 cool. He just killed like eight guys. Yeah, 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 I know, but. I asked the wrong question. Like, how is that? But what about America? They care. No. Don't Americans care about killing? Um, well. Hilarious. L-O-L. Yeah, um, I think they must have some kind of, like, back channel. Like, listen, if he did it, he had to do it for good reason. And it's, you know, foreign intelligence and world allies, and that's cool. And if he kills bad people, they're bad people, and that's fine. Just don't kill any good people. Yeah, yeah. Please. <laughs> That'd be great. One other thing before we hop over, uh, talking about his character. So in Fleming's stories and in the films, James Bond is in his mid to late 30s, mm-hmm. but doesn't age. I think that's really cool. It is kind of cool. I mean, it's if we can live for, what is it now, 33 years where, like, Bart Simpson is still in fifth grade? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, Daniel Craig, he seemed like he was in his 40s. Like some of them see, have have at least I would say for like energy. They have like that. But what am I trying to say? They got old man strength. No, not old man. They have that like seasoned. You know, when Steve Carell came out this year and he had the gray hairs coming in and everyone's like, whoa, they hey, like now. looked at him differently. Yeah, that's what I mean about them. Yeah. I mean, I think like the bonds usually when they begin, they're sort of young and vibrant and like, oh, look at that guy. He's awesome. And then over time, like Sean Connery did seven of them. Mm-hmm. And by the last one, like the toupee is not holding that tight anymore. <laughs> and like this, the, the there's a big cummerbund on his tuxedos mm-hmm. to like cover up that midsection, which ain't as tight <laughs> as it was when he was like third place for Mr. Universe. Like, yeah. Um, I mean, age 
age is always a problem with things like this. You know, same thing with like Batman. Like you can't have, maybe not so true. You can have Michael Keaton playing Batman. And he was always like 42 years old, even when he wasn't. But like, you need somebody who looks like they can get the job done, right? You need somebody who looks like, oh no, I buy that this James Bond can actually like punch everybody in the face and can actually take on dudes with steel jaws and like, you know, crazy Japanese sumo wrestler dudes. And when he stops looking like that, they start to get silly, you know? And so many of the Roger Moore movies are like him in leisure suits traveling the world, like beating up on other old dudes. And it's like, what? This isn't what I signed up for. <laughs> beating up Christopher Lee. Like these are two senior citizens just slapping each other in the face a lot. Like that's not worth my eight dollars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all this conversation are leading me into all these like fun ideas and questions that I want to save towards the end because they're all about cool things that we think could happen. <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah, and like for me anyway, like I was always a comic book reader. And uh and and the second best part about comic books are the bad guys and the, the various versions of the bad guys, especially like Batman's Rose Gallery and like Spider-Man's Rose Gallery. And look at the, the, the various ways these characters can reflect upon your hero. And the James Bond Rose Gallery is just daffy. And it's like, that guy loves gold. Okay, <laughs> sure. What about that guy? He wants to go to the moon. What does Octopussy want? Unclear. <laughs> she has eight cats. I don't know what's happening here <laughs> at all. You Do you know, have a favorite? Um, my favorite, my favorite Bond villain is in the Bond movie with the worst James Bond. Uh, the worst, the worst Bond movie uh, is on Her Majesty's Secret Service, which is when Sean Connery decided. I don't want to do this anymore. Screw you guys. I'm going home. Okay. And they brought in George Lazenby, who was like an Australian model who could not act at all. But the bad guy was Telly Savalas. And Telly Savalas was living it. Like his his Blofeld was like mountaintop chalet and like turtlenecks and the bald head. And he was friggin' Kojak as yeah. a bad guy. And like as a movie, it's great. As a Bond, he's awful. <laughs> um, but like that's the movie in which you know, James Bond falls in love, like for real love and gets married by the time that movie's, he marries Diana Rigg at the end of that movie. And then like Blofeld kills her and that's super tragic and that should motivate a guy to do a bunch oh, of stop stuff. stop fridging. <laughs> yes. Can't handle it. There's a ton of fridging. Um, but like it, it was the rare Bond movie that gave him actual like forward motion, right? We're moving the character along. We're changing this guy who otherwise feels like a sitcom character. Um, and then they kind of reversed it all in the next movie. And it's like, he's back to being that guy again, and it's all good. It's fine. He's going to sleep But around. he gave us a taste. Yeah, and we taste like of the, the real taste. life. Yeah. You know, and every now and again, they will they will sort of like nudge back into that world. I think Skyfall kind of tried to drag some of that past stuff forward. Yeah. And like, no, James Bond's a real guy, and he's had decades of history. And here's here's the, the Aston Martin from Goldfinger in his garage. And here's the, we're going to his ancestral home and seeing his parents' graves. And we're... We're pretending like this is all real and all of this tonnage would land on a guy in a real way. Mm. Speaking of Sean Connery, so he was the first actor to put, portray Bond mm-hmm. in a film. It was Dr. No, mm-hmm. 1962. I've never seen that one. Do you it's recommend? A um, it's a thing. <laughs> it's, a, uh, it's, wow. it's, it's a thing because like there's there's a lot of. You will recognize a lot of elements from that movie because they've been oh, in so many other movies. Right. Okay. You Makes know, sense. it's like, oh, there's the henchman guy, and here's the little theme song, and mm-hmm. here's, you know, the girl with the awesome bikini who rises out of the water because mm-hmm. we're going to do that stuff. 
um, like so much of how we began to understand sort of action film kind of began in that movie, especially espionage movies. It's super dated and it's super problematic okay. in, you know, in the kinds of ways that things are when you look back at a 50 year old movie with something resembling perspective. You're like, oh, wow, you've never met a black person. Have any of you? <laughs> Yo, you know, like pigeon English stuff. Like, oh, Mr. Bond, let me get you the boat. Like, ooh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's cool. But James Bond drinks red stripe ooh. in that. And so, like, <sighs> okay. and so I'd be like, that was my like red stripe phase. Wow. It was like, that's Bond's beer. I'm going to yeah, drink yeah. beer. I'm going to drink Bond's beer. Oh, yeah. I had a huge red stripe phase. For some reason, everyone I knew was real in a red stripe. And I was like, all right, this is this is the road we're going down. Yeah. Just a note of moving off of Sean Connery is that he was an amateur bodybuilder. Yeah. Yeah. When he said Mr. Universe, I went to look it up because that's a fact I did not know. Uh, and yeah, he was swolt up. I mean, but also like swolt for like 1954, oh, yeah. well, that, which right, is right. not very swolt. Well, it's so funny because there is like uh, in bodybuilding, they have this other uh, category now called classic bodybuilder. So mm. it's like, so you don't have to be a Kai green, super human built. You can be that kind of classic, still normal muscles, not as roided out uh, look. <laughs> and I was like, cause, cause someone said, cause someone was like, you should do uh bodybuilding. And I was like, one, no, uh, I'm not, I'm not trying to look like that. They're like, no, you should try the classic lane. And then that's when I found out about that. I like that. They went like all the way to like crystal Pepsi for yeah. these dudes. Yeah, like, yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> You gotta throttle back. It's classic coke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like actual muscle musculature, and like he can fit into a suit off the rack, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so usually, a lot of times, the villains are the title character, right? You have Octopussy. Yeah. The doc, uh, Doctor No. Goldfinger. Goldfinger. Yeah. Yeah. It, it got to a point like the man with the golden gun. Mm-hmm. Eventually, they just started like making up names with like <laughs> words that sounded good together. Yeah. Like, Die another day. What? Like, yeah. So tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> but tomorrow never dies. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. License to kill? No, it's just in his wallet. Like yeah. that's it. Like, like these things like stopped having yeah. this crazy awesome resonance. But um, but yeah, like they were always somewhat cartoonish mm-hmm. in like an outlandish kind of way. It's like, all right, well, there's gold thing who really likes gold, and so everything he has is made of gold, and that's untenable, but sure. Oh, so that's what gold member was making fun of. Very much so. Like, okay. you know, I mean, Austin Powers was always living in this world mm-hmm. of kind of like, like this James Bond, the saint kind of like, we're going to make fun of all of this like swinging 60s stuff. Yeah. But then Goldmember was just straight up like, we're doing a Bond movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're not even going to pretend anymore. Yeah. Like Beyonce is going to play. Like, oh and, they, and they would always huh. kind of like, not just problematically play with like race, but also like women in race. They were always yeah. like, all right, here are going to be the two Bond girls. It's Bambi and Thumper. Yeah. And like Thumper's going to be like this black girl with like poofy, like, mm-hmm. you know, the poofy Afro yeah. puffs. And they're like, but Thumper's going to be like a Swedish blonde. And like, that's just what they do. So Bambi and Thumper. And then what? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. Like, couldn't you just have a name? Plenty O'Toole. That is not a name of somebody names a child. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, We're going to get an email from Plenty. Like, <laughs> yes. excuse me. Listen, I come from a very long line of Plenties. <laughs> my father was a Plenty. I'm a Plenty. My son is a Plenty. Did you read any of the comics or collect any of the comics, the James Bond comics? I never did. I never did. And it, it part of it, I think, was because you either had the novels, which were like super pulpy, or you had the movies, which were movies and were mm-hmm. awesome. And the comic books always felt like this weird half step between them. Uh, it's like, 
I'm not going to get what I want out of this because yeah. like Marvel is putting these comics out and mm-hmm. I'm sure it's a good idea, but the things that I respond to in a Bond film as like a 14 year old boy yeah. are not showing up. In the <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. True. Yeah. But oh, yeah. Speaking of things for 14 year old boys, there mm. was the 1983 was actually the first Bond video game. Um, which was uh, developed by the Parker Brothers and was released for Atari. (laughs) However, that is not the one that comes to mind for all of us. It's the 1997 first-person shooter video game, GoldenEye. Okay, we're going to... 007. Slappers only. Nintendo 64, baby. Buckle up, because if he's about to wax poetic. (laughs) (laughs) GoldenEye. It's so funny, because I have never seen a single James Bond film. Wow. But I have played many a GoldenEye, and GoldenEye is special in the sense that it had it normalized first-person shooters. It changed the game, literally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, it, it got people well aware of sh- of crappy hitboxes uh, with uh, Odd Job. If you chose Odd Job, you were a horrible human being. Uh, <laughs> and so, like, everything about GoldenEye is so fun. And they recently did a Source remaster for PC, so you can grab that if you're on the PC Master Race. Uh, but, you know... It it super it was fun and what kind of sucked was it was so good so nostalgic that a Bond game never was able to survive a, around that I think there was like was it a die it was either Die Another Day or um what is the one that came out for PS two or PS one Nightfire <laughs> Nightfire that's th- what it's saying James Bond mm. 007 Nightfire for PS two okay I think that's mm. what it was then. It was it was not great. I just remember that GoldenEye was the first party game I'd ever really played. Yeah, it was. You know, like it was it was a game where somebody had an N sixty four, you go over and there'd always be like five or six people in that house mm-hmm. and four of them would be playing GoldenEye at any given time. And there was and it was it became a social event in a way that video games hadn't been oh, yeah. for me in, in before. And there was always like, cause it, and the screen was divided into those four boxes, right? And so four people were playing at once yeah. on a giant screen. There was always one screen where some person could not figure out how to focus. So he's either like just looking at the ceiling yeah. or yes. looking at the floor. Yes. It's like Jimmy, just look straight ahead, man. Like, I can't do it. Oh, Come man. on. Yeah, that was that was next level. And you know, just talking about Golden Eye, it's crazy to think that N sixty four launched two of the biggest like multiplayer party games, uh, not counting Mario Party, but you have Smash Bros. and you have Golden Eye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's crazy to know that all that came from the N64. Totally. totally. I am curious because as we're going over these, uh, the actors that have played James Bond, to me, Pierce Brosnan was my James Bond because he was who I was first introduced to and mm. who I grew up with until Daniel Craig came into the picture. Who do you consider your James Bond? Ooh, good question. Um, the first Bond movie I ever saw was Never Say Never Again. Um so Sean Connery is my Bond. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've seen more Roger Moore James Bond movies than I've seen anybody else, and that was more contemporary for me. Like I was a kid of the '80s, and he was he was a late '70s into like '85, '86, I think. But it's kind of always going to be Sean Connery for me, and even like Never Say Never Again is when he's the old Bond. He's when like Toupee Bond, and like it's just and it's a remake of another Bond movie because like MGM has the like the lock. On James Bond movies, and they have for since the very beginning. Mm-hmm. But there was some weird dispute with the screenwriter of Thunderball, and he claimed some rights to it. And so that's the one movie that, if any other company wants to make, 
they can remake Thunderball. Oh. And so it was Thunderball and then Never Say Never Again, which is just a remake of Thunderball again. Um, and so I, I remember that that was a summer and I was a bad boy at school and it was just coming out on HBO and like I had forged my report card. <laughs> like I, and like the kind of forgery that in junior high school you're really, really good at. Oh, yeah. So it was like, oh, no, I'm going to make these F's A's because mm-hmm. nobody will notice that. And these D's are going to be B's because yeah. that totally works. And uh, and I had told my parents like at length that I really wanted to see this movie. movie. And then when I, they caught me in my master forgery, they were like, you can't do anything for a summer. Ooh. So, you know, Caribbean parents, that's how that goes. Oh, yeah. So, so from like June through September, I was like locked in my room. But then, like once once I got paroled, like my dad had videotaped "Never Say Never Again" for me. Oh, like that wow. was his present for me as, as I completed my my rounds in in the big house. And I remember watching that movie and loving it to death, even though it's not great. Yeah. Um. But it didn't matter. Yeah. Because like this was this was the price. Yeah, yeah. That was your freedom. Flick. <laughs> this was my freedom for like I'm free. Give us that free. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny uh, talking about like your James Bonds and, and stuff like that because you know Danny you say Daniel Craig was yours but when well, he Pierce was Pierce Brosnan a, a, a was mine Pierce Brosnan but sorry. my favorite Bond movie is Casino Royale okay, with Daniel, with Daniel Craig. Craig because yeah. d- uh, the internet was not happy with Daniel Craig no they, they were not during productions they, they had a website called Daniel Craig is not Bond.com <laughs> to express their satisfaction just in case you think the release the Snyder Cut crew is a new thing <laughs> <laughs> We've been wild. Nerds have been wilding on the internet for uh, the they, history of time. That was very yes. That was yeah. a huge thing. And it's, he was blonde, and he had these like weird big ears. Yeah, yeah it was because he didn't have the same debonair. You know his. Uh, what am I trying to like? Small features yeah. that mm-hmm. like right before him, Pierce had. You know, yeah. like a. But it's also yeah. funny because you're going based off of just a portrayal of a book, which right. like at least, you know, in comic books, it's like I'm seeing something. Mm-hmm. But in a book, it's like like when it was a big thing with Rue being black, you know, right. and lots of times it's real funny to see how like just accurately described black features in books always seem to be just skipped over by uh, white people <laughs> when they read it. Where it's like, oh, cur- curly. Oh, it must be a ginger. <laughs> You know, she's a redhead. Yeah, yeah. It's always like wild to see, like, uh, you know, just the way people are just conditioned to whitewash. But it's even crazier when it's like, yeah, no, just a white dude on paper could be a white dude on screen. But just we've grown so accustomed that they were so mad, and then now, you know, people are like mad that he's not gonna not be gonna it. be mm-hmm. it. And it's funny because that reminds me of because people are so quick to forget on the Internet because now Heath Ledger is everyone's favorite Joker. But when Mm. your boy was announced, people Mm. were mad mad. Uh, (laughs) Same with, uh, you know, a little not as much as him because now they've kind of learned a little. Yeah. But uh, Robert Pattinson. Yeah. People, you know, have been like, he's not my Batman. Well, anyway, it's funny because like it just got went to show you people who don't watch movies outside of comic book movies when they're like, he's not a good actor. I was like, oh, you haven't seen anything (laughs) besides Twilight. He gives off hella Bruce Wayne vibes. Oh yeah, totally. We have to take a really quick break. We're going to hop back into the future of James Bond. Oh yeah. Right after this. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. 
If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-errands pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. And we're back. I just wanted to show y'all this picture. So this oh, is what James Bond looks like to Ian Fleming. Not wow. not really far off, in my opinion, from some of the like Sean Connery-ish. Yeah. No, also he looks like Alfred the Butler. Yeah, he also <laughs> looks like that weird guy from the first Charlie of Angels movie. You remember the one who was smelling uh, Drew Barrymore's oh, hair? Crispin Glover. Yeah, Crispin Glover, yes. <laughs> Oh, how could I forget you know a what? young... You know he kind of just... <laughs> the OG McFly. Yes. This is interesting. This is like the interpretation of what Ian... Yeah, Ian Fleming wow. thinks that James Bond... Not mm. quite in my opinion. So what we're looking mm. at, we'll, uh, we'll tweet this out, but... Um, not quite. Uh, he looks more like a librarian. Yeah. Totally. But that's what it, in his yeah. head it was, an ordinary man-ish. Yeah, it's, it's like a chimney sweep. Yeah. Yeah. So now it's the fun to talk about the future of James Bond. And I and and there's lots of fun things that we talked about in the past that you've kind of educated me on and that begs so many fun questions. Mm. First off and foremost, you know, the big news that has come out from the new James Bond movie is that there's a uh, let me get this correctly. There's a new 007. Yes. Correct. And she is going to be a black woman. Yes. Uh, uh, so. Do do we feel this confirms the the, the well because the, she's not going as Bond even though some uh, headlines have tried to push it as that mm-hmm. but she's going as the new 007. Uh, personally, I'm still with the cynic brain, which I think is she's going to start get murdered and then Bond's like I have to avenge this. <laughs> This this death. You mean like use this black lady as yeah, yeah. Just ammunition for him to go oh, yeah. for revenge? Uh, yeah. Not a smart move. No, probably not. I mean, it's like every little bit of progress is progress. And so yeah. to actually like, I right, know we're going to make Monty Penny mm-hmm. to promote her and make her a 007 because she's proved capable and yeah. she's ready to roll. And James Bond is retired and we're going to pull him back into action by X number of reasons. But 
you know, it's, there is no reason, even if it's James Bond, like James Bond, yes, Ian Fleming created him as a white guy. Um, but there's nothing about him that requires him to be white. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's unlike Bruce Wayne for me, for my money, Bruce Wayne needs to be a white guy. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. Because I think as Bruce Wayne, as the inheritor of the Wayne fortune, as, as the last line of the people who built Gotham city, like you're looking at Carnegie's and Rockefeller's and that kind of thing, it needs to be old money. And there is no old black money. Yeah. You know, at least not in that way. There is yeah. no there is no generational guilt and mm-hmm. responsibility for a city the way you get if you're, you know, Ooh. Nelson Rockefeller's kid. Yeah. And so for Bruce Wayne to be that child who decides to like, my parents had become like my, my father was the first one to break from the family business, become a doctor. My mother was all about charity. And then they get killed. And I am now the last son of the Waynes in the city that my family built. And they and they died because of this city. And I'm a little bit crazy. I'm going to put on a mask and punch people. You know, like that kind of requires a certain yeah. level of caucasity. I think the thing about it is that they're okay with him punching out people. He takes a law into his own hands, and I don't think that a black person would be able to do that and get away with it. In the also city. fair, yeah, also I think fair. that would be it. But like James Bond, what it requires is an orphan who joins the military who proves very adept at a very certain kind of, he's got a very particular set of skills, you know? And like that doesn't require him being white. Like he could as easily be a Pakistani guy who, a Pakistani Londoner who moved there or a a Nigerian Brit or whatever. You just gotta be an orphan. And there is no, there's no saying who gets to be an orphan. Like Spider-Man, like listen. You're going to be from a broken home in Queens. Like you are probably not white. Yeah. <laughs> like of all the things you could be, it's probably not that. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So like, I it is it is kind of high time that this franchise begins to push yeah. in a way that reflects the times because all of those movies did. Mm-hmm. Like that's the true. It's really interesting looking at those movies decade by decade. What they're talking about, what who the bad guys are, what the bad guy plans are. They seem to be a mirror of the times that you're living in. Like. Moonrakers in like the late seventies, early eighties. We're all about Star Wars. So now James Bond goes to space. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you're like go go business nineties and like, you know, Wall Street in eighties and all that stuff. And now James Bond is up against like corporate tycoons and like here's a guy who's got like microchip plans, because of course that's Christopher Walken. Like, I got a microchip. <laughs> like he's all about a reflection of the time that he's in. And in our time right now, like it doesn't feel as if that character is actually some like weird like holdover to the old yeah. like British Empire. Like he's mm-hmm. probably an immigrant. Yeah. He's probably a guy who loves the UK the way only an immigrant loves the country they adopt. Yeah. And will do anything for that country. Ooh. You know, like he will lay it all on the line for these people who took him in and gave him a home and gave him a place and gave him a purpose. Like just find the new story in the old framework. I mean, you should just clip this and give it to your manager. <laughs> do it. <laughs> That's your pitch right there. Um, yeah, I, I mean, there was such an uproar and it was just like, I remember I tweeted and it's James Bond is still currently being played by a white guy. Daniel Craig is returning um, and mm-hmm. we do have, uh, but it's 007, which when they die, he that number doesn't, it's not, it doesn't not like a jersey that gets retired. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. only have nine you numbers. Put, you gotta put it up on <laughs> They the, only have nine you numbers. You gotta put it up on the, on the, yeah. <laughs> that was the thing. I'm like, a woman can be. You gotta put it 007. up in the Manchester United Stadium. <laughs> yeah. Have it hanging. Uh, and then here's my other question I had about the future. Uh, at, and just based on this last discussion, I'm excited to hear. Uh, 
What what would you do? You think the James Bond because we talked about him being the same age and usually the actor aging. Do you think James Bond should get like a Logan treatment, like an old man James Bond? Do you think that's an interesting story? Oh, is that hell something? Oh yeah. Ooh. Give me the last James Bond story. Like Ooh. you know what is what does that look like? I remember there was there was a theory or maybe it's a rumor, maybe it's fact. I don't know. Um, where in, in Skyfall, the second to last, the second to most recent James Bond movie, there's a character when James Bond goes back to the ancestral Bond manor and, and Albert Finney is like this guy kind of banging around that mansion. They wanted that to be Sean Connery and they wanted that to be like the retirement home for old James Bonds. Oh, wow. You know, but they couldn't get Connery for whatever reason. I don't understand. But that idea of here is a, here is a world in which we feel like we've moved past the need for this kind of espionage, right? Like you're in the information era. You're in the like, it's all corporate. It's all cyber terrorism. It's all cyber warfare. Like what, what would we need a James Bond for? And then something happens where we need to literally go back and get like this 64 year old, like the Liam Neeson aged, but like less racist James Bond. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to go out and do the thing that he does better. And then nobody else is trained to do that anymore. Yeah. Like that sometimes you need a dinosaur. Like sometimes you dig a hole with a shovel, you know, and like, here's the guy that you need to get to do this thing. Like I would all day with that story. Ooh, yeah, no, I'm sold on it now. (laughs) And I ain't even seen one. (laughs) The new, it was so funny because when, when you said immigrant, I was like, oh, and I pitched this. We just talked about Sherlock Holmes last. Mm. uh, So when you were saying famous uh, British, uh, that was another one that popped as far as like Harry Potter, Mm -hmm. another one being just as famous as Sherlock Holmes. The, so I, I pitched that the new Sherlock could have been Rami Malek. And I also feel that way about James Bond. (laughs) Just trying to get Rami work. He's the bad guy. Hit me up. I know he's the bad guy in the new new one, and he definitely get he could give off good and bad vibes. Mm -hmm. I feel good and bad vibes. He's a versatile actor. The new one, No Time to Die, is dropping April eighth, twenty twenty. Um, it's directed by Kerry Fukunaga, and that he co-wrote with Scott Z. Burns and Phoebe Waller Bridge. What what? Fleabag herself. Indeed. Which like it that that in and of itself between Carrie Fukunaga and, and Phoebe Waller Bridge, I'm more excited for this Bond movie than I've been for a while because, you know, you can as I think you find with like sort of Black Panther is a different Marvel movie than every other Marvel movie because the perspective of the people who get to tell that movie, like Patty Jenkins's Wonder Woman, is a different superhero movie than every other DC superhero movie because the lens through which you're telling that story is different. And so to look at this now 50-year-old franchise and look at it through a lens through which we've never seen it before, because every other director of a Bond movie has been a white British dude. And so now you get a sort of, you know, multiracial, you know, like American with a crazy eye and a crazy flair for this sort of thing. And then you get a script that's that's co-written by one of the smartest women on the planet. Yeah. Like, what does... What does a James Bond movie from those people look like? You know, what does it keep? What does it retain? And how does it innovate? And how does it propel the story forward in a, in a way that we've never seen before to an audience that might not have responded to Bond before this? Mm-hmm. You know, because it is, it's an archaic idea. You know, it is something of its, of its own cinematic dinosaur. And to, to find a way to put a fresh coat of paint on it and to, and to roll it off the assembly line looking like something brand new while still feeling like something old. 
I'm all here for that. Yeah. So we have Lashana Lynch. She will be playing 007. You will have recognized her from a bunch of things, but uh, most recently Captain Marvel. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. I mean, and it's like even even if you've been burned before (laughs) and, you know, Bond has burned before. It's clearly retains its, its capacity to be like, what was that all about? You know, there are enough pieces to it. You know, it's like. It's like I, if you look at a, at, a, at a car manufacturer that's been making cars forever, like, you know, BMW or Mercedes or whatever, yeah. like if you look at like a modern day Mercedes and then a Mercedes from 50 years ago, they look like cousins, you know, like there's mm-hmm. enough elements to it. There's enough kind of curves and the body lines all kind of work the same, but you've now brought it into, you've innovated and you've put all kinds of bells and whistles on it, but it's still that car. And if you can do that with James Bond and like, you know what, like this was a Rolls Royce from like 1958, but like, look at a Rolls Royce today. Like you can still kind of tell. Yeah. It's faster and it's leaner and it does things better, but it's still, it's still a Bond movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, give me that travelogue. Give me that hero who does the impossible when nobody else could pull it off. Like, give me these women who now have agency in a way that they've never had before. And give me, you know, gadgets I've never seen. Like, just push it. Like, make it, make it new Oh, again. I would love it if Lashana is just sleeping with men and like, okay, uh, it's, it's 8 a.m. Yeah, are you still here? Yeah, you, you know. Go. <laughs> I gotta go save the world. Yeah, hey, my driver yeah. uh, take you, and I would love it if she had the gift bags, just like yeah. you know, the gift baskets to yeah. give to her. Okay, All thanks. Right. Thank see you. you later. Now, here's a keychain. Oh yeah, I, I want to see that. I want to see that movie. <laughs> <laughs> she gives oh. him like a 007 like lapel pin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like you've been had. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. <laughs> Is there anything that we missed uh, that you wanted to talk about? I think you know. The, there, there were like sort of three giant like lures to those movies, right? There's the travelogue aspect of it. There's the lifestyle aspect of it. But then there was the gadget stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like it, it, it always felt like a James Bond movie was like 20% a sharper image catalog <laughs> of like, what cool thing am I never gonna be able to get my hands on that may or may not exist, but is like totally crazy. Yeah. Like, do I want like a sports car that turns into a submarine? Yes, I do. <laughs> when am I going to, I live in the Bronx. I'm never going to have a reason <laughs> for a submarine, but I want one. You know, I think that, that sort of the science fiction of it be like, this stuff doesn't exist yet, but maybe someday that it will. And like, there was, there was just this, the cool factor of those movies and the cars and this clothes. And yeah. like, it was, it was like consumer paradise for stuff that you could never possibly afford. Yeah. And uh, and there's something aspirational about that that I always responded to. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, you know, uh, where can people find you? Let's see. <laughs> uh, on the Twitters, at Mark Bernardin. On the Instagram, at Mark Bernardin. A uh, television show that I wrote for called Treadstone mm-hmm. um, will premiere on October 15th. Yay! Yeah, Ooh, tune what? in. Tune in. Um, and I think I only took that job because like, yeah, it's globetrotting spy stuff. And yeah. I yeah. Said, really? You mean we get to do that? And there's like punching people in the necks a lot. Yes. Are there gadgets? Yes. Car chases. Yes. Women. Maybe. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that is, that is the most recent thing that I, that I, uh, tippy typed on that you'll oh, be nice. able to see. Cool. In Carnival Row. Carnival Row. The first season dropped about a month ago mm-hmm. and, uh, Castle Rock. The second season is on its way. Hey. Um, but yeah, it's uh it is a good time to be a nerd. Yeah. Totally. Hell yeah. <laughs>
Um, you can catch me. I can finally announce my New York Comic Con panels. Thank goodness. Um, I will be there Thursday. I have a panel at 12:15 called Invisible Latinx Volume Two. Check it out. Um, I will also be doing. I'll be at New York Comedy Club that night at 10:15, and then on Sunday, I am sitting down on the main stage with the original Disney princesses. It's a What? conversation with them. Yes. That's amazing. I get to talk to Jody Benson, Paige O'Hara, Nikanani Rose. It's going to be amazing. They might sing. I don't know. I don't know if I'm allowed to ask them to sing, <laughs> but I'll ask them beforehand if I'm allowed to ask them to sing. Definitely check that out. It's going to be iconic. Yes, yes. And I can definitively say that I will not be at New York Comic Con uh, <laughs> because uh, I just found out that I will actually be uh, in Houston for a comedy fest. Uh, the Improv Comedy Fest, me and the guys and white women will be uh, performing. It's going to be that same weekend. Uh, let me look. It'll be at Station Theater. So definitely uh, pop in. Uh, if you're in the Houston area, I will definitely be there having barbecue. Uh, yes, anding. It's called the Trill Comedy Fest, which, you know, I'm glad to just be a part of something called that. Uh, but yeah, I'll be having fun. So pull up. It'll be a good time. All I right? will also be at the New York Comic Con. Ooh. We will have to hang out. I know. Maybe I'll come see you be funny. Yeah, I uh, I last year I went with the for Ralph. I went to Disney people. So I didn't actually get to see anything. They just like shuttle you behind the scenes. And like, you know, I was in a green room until and then they like go out and then they shuttle you around. So I didn't I actually get to go on the floor this time. That's awesome. I will probably not because um, I'm I'm hosting on the sci-fi wire main Yay. stage over there hey which means just like asking rando people questions every 10 minutes mm -hmm. like what are you doing karate kid let's talk about it hey it's dean kane let me ask about superman dean kane yay it's a lot of that for like three days it's a lot to be on at all times it is but uh but, but I, also delightful super delightful like getting to talk to people who i either have never met and idolized from afar or people that i love and they're Like just rolled onto my stage by accident. Like, ah, you're here. I get to talk to you for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. This will be great. Um, and I love New York. So an excuse to go to New York, I will take. I had that happen with Lin-Manuel Miranda. And I was like, you know who I am? Lin-Manuel <laughs> Miranda? Well, God, I yeah. guess I'm somebody. This yeah. feels great. If we all if we all get that moment of getting to bask in Lin's light, <laughs> 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 it, uh, it makes it all worthwhile. Um, yeah, that's uh, it for us, I hey, guess, yeah, as we so always say. Stay nerdy. Stay nerdy. Mm, you missed it. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 
24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.